0: Applaud, my friends. The comedy is over. Deathbed words of Ludwig von Beethoven.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Who who was in the room with him?
0: An author who wrote it down, <laughs> I guess. I, Somebody's sure. like sweet.
1: Like, Dude, those, those are the best last words ever.
0: <laughs> you know, for the Christian though, our final our final word should be gain. Oh yeah. Right. To live to live in twenty twenty one. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've been in a series looking at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross.
0: His famous last
1: words. That's right. So today we're gonna cover sayings five, six, and seven.
0: Yeah, the final three. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are
1: looking for truth in the noise. Brian, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad. I've really enjoyed this series.
1: This has been good. If if you all are listening and have missed the first two episodes, we've been looking at the seven sayings of Christ, and we've covered one and two. Uh, back in episode 25, episode 26, we covered sayings three and four, and today we're going to try to wrap up and cover the final three.
0: The final three, and these are the easiest ones to talk about.
1: All right. They're not. This is, this is, it's going
0: to get really <laughs> deep. Well, if you think they're so point. easy,
1: you just jump right in, buddy. Hey, we're, we really are glad. Welcome to the Echo Podcast. We're really, really glad that you are with us. If you have a chance to, you know, these might be some episodes to share with friends who uh, are believers or maybe not believers, because what I found is everybody will lean into a story of someone significant and. I think people can lean into the story of Jesus, the most significant person to walk on this planet, and to hear his final sayings and to say, you know, what did Jesus say when he was dying? Yeah. Uh, That's pretty engaging.
0: I heard somebody once say that uh, a person is most themselves when they're tired or suffering.
1: Oh, that's terrifying.
0: Right. (laughs) I'm having flashbacks of being tired and suffering. You know, like man, I was just awful. I was I was the worst. Mm. So we're looking at Jesus probably tired, definitely suffering. Yeah. And what are the things that he is saying? Yeah. So word number five is the word of distress. And this is found in the gospel according to John chapter nineteen, verse twenty-eight. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture I am thirsty.
1: Hmm. Yeah. W- what jumps out to you when you just first hear this this statement?
0: To be honest, Jesus was thirsty. That's that's a human experience. Yeah. Thirst is not something that the gods experience. That would imply a lack of nourishment or a lack of sustainability, which kind of makes us ask the question: How human was Jesus? And in the theological answer is truly. Now, some people will say yeah. fully human, sure. but I, I like actually truly yeah. human, um, which implies that Jesus is God, but he's the God-man, this incarnation mm-hmm. that the word became flesh, made its dwelling among us. But if we're not careful, we will sometimes overemphasize his divinity, but then yeah. there are some people who overemphasize the humanity, and we want to strike a good, healthy understanding that it's he is truly God and truly man Which means he got thirsty absolutely so he's physically suffering he is actually physically in pain he's feeling the thorns that are going into his head the uh the 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 the, the whipping and the beatings and the nails in his wrists or hands uh, and his feet he's feeling this
1: yeah and with all of the intense intense pain he would have suffered there might have been this moment where his senses dull for just long enough for him to realize he is thirsty. Yeah. Like when was the last time he had something to drink? Uh, a long time.
0: Yeah, and I think that I'm I'm encouraged by the a passage in Hebrews where it says that in every way that man is tempted, so too was Christ, but yeah. without sin. And there are these moments of, man, I want comfort during my suffering.
1: Yeah. Right? Right, sure. I am
0: in pain. Uh, This is not how I want things to be, my distress, my discomfort. I need this, and this will help me. And we see that Jesus, he experiences that. What would help alleviate some suffering? Yeah. For him, wine, water, something Mm -hmm. to help quench his thirst. Absolutely. And the point is that, once again, he is physically... Suffering. A lot of people will say, oh, well, it was an illusory body. We hear that we see that in some Gnostic stuff that, well, he wasn't really suffering. Or even in um, Islamic circles, no, no, that's actually not even Jesus suffering. There was a switch that mm-hmm. took place. Uh, we, we can't commit to that. As Christians, we take Scripture to be historically accurate and yeah. meticulously researched and developed. So we say, no, according to Scripture, Jesus is physically suffering. This is his actual body And he's experiencing every moment of pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you titled uh, this section uh, a word of distress. Jesus is in distress.
0: Yeah, Jesus embraces the distress. Once again, notice that he doesn't say, hey, get me out of here. He's just like, I thirst. Mm -hmm. He is distressed. He's experiencing it. And he's not saying, oh, my God, why are you doing this to me? He's not saying, get me out of here, deliver me. He just says, I thirst. He As he's experiencing this, we really do encounter the humanity of Jesus in this moment. When we think of humanity, we really think about the physical aspects. You're a human, I'm a human, and we're distinct from all of creation Mm -hmm. in in, in that regard. Jesus emphasizes, or at least uh, there's there's an an emphatic emphatic explanation that Jesus does understand what we're going through um, and that he is human. Is there, I don't think there's a lot more to this. Like some people want to over spiritualize, kind of like, kind of like, um, just saying, Hey, take care of my mom. Yeah. If we're not careful, I think we can hyper spiritualize this. No. Nope. Yeah. He's in pain. He is suffering. He's physically experiencing this. Yeah. And he's thirsty.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you, uh, in that. I also can't help but think that in his divine knowledge, when he said this, it would have, for some people, when they heard about it, uh, brought them back. I'm especially thinking of the woman at the well. Yeah, uh, When she would have heard that Jesus said, I am thirsty, she would have gone right back to that moment in Samaria yeah. where she was thirsty, she was trying to get water, and Jesus comes to her and says, I can give you water where you'll never thirst again. And so there is still this uh, beauty of God's eternal wisdom, and part of his story is that Jesus offers something that will never bring us thirst. I think one of the beautiful things about fasting is it's this reminder of I I need God more than food. Yeah. And in this moment, Jesus was choosing God's will over drink.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. For, For people who are suffering, kind of embrace it. Yeah. I think it's natural for us to run away and to desire relief. And yet, as we've talked about before, some suffering is good.
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. So saying number six is a word of triumph.
0: Right. And this is found in the gospel according to John, chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Interesting. Um, I think that this ref i think this clearly is referencing Isaiah especially in the servant songs mm-hmm. that predict the Messiah's earthly work and activity uh, specifically in Isaiah 52 where we get mm-hmm. to see of if you will this prophetic declaration of how the son of god is going to be treated and how the real messiah is going to be handled and dealt with
1: yeah yeah so so what does it mean when he says finished
0: so for a lot of people we ignore that Jesus had a mission. Yeah, We we get so wrapped up in, oh, he this is how he treats people, or, oh, th- these are his teachings, or, well, this is what Paul says about him, or here's what, and, and we got to pull back, and we have to say, why was God incarnate to begin with? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it is for the salvations of the world to be that, if you will, final sacrifice for sin so that man and God could be truly, perfectly, fully reconciled. We see types of Christ or sh- foreshadowing in the Old Testament law mm-hmm. or in other small-m Messiah figures in the Old Testament. Yeah, Jesus is called the son of David. Why? Because he's going to be like David, but better. He's going to be like Moses, but better. Yeah. He's going to be like Abram, but better. And so there's a mission. There's a purpose and a meaning and a goal to the incarnation, and it's the reconciliation of God to man and man to God as well.
1: Yeah, and for so many of those even listening to him throughout his teachings, they just did not quite get it. Yeah. You know, they were thinking of a political takeover uh, or him becoming the king and restoring uh, Israel's military cloud or getting out from under the Romans' thumb, and, and Jesus kept drawing them to like, there's something way bigger than that. Right. My kingdom is way bigger than that, and that's my mission.
0: And I think what's important is that everything leads up to the cross, and then everything leads away from it. Like the, the cross is this moment within history, yes. and Scripture is leading us to it. So Old Testament from the Pentateuch, the histories, the prophets, the writings, everything is leading to it. Mm-hmm. And then the epistles and Revelation and Acts, it all comes from it. Yeah, um, That Jesus is better. Yep. No matter what it is, Jesus is better. We've seen that God will do what he says he's going to do. He is faithful to his promises and to his words. I think we're just really surprised that this is how it's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like rarely do we see God repeat himself mm-hmm. in, in, in Scripture. But again, if God is setting up all of these things throughout history that Christ is ultimately going to fulfill, then Jesus is a better sacrificial system. Yes. Jesus is also the better sacrifice. But then to echo Romans and to echo Hebrews, Jesus is also the better sacrificer. It makes me think that Jesus says, like, no nobody takes my life from me, that I willingly lay it down. Huh. So everything Jesus said he was going to do, he does. Everything he said he was going to accomplish, he did.
1: Yeah. Huh. And this is the culmination right
0: here. Yeah. This isn't how it's supposed to be, though. The death of God shouldn't be life for us. That doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we've used the word before, counterintuitive. Yeah. That God in Scripture is nothing if not surprising. That we think we know what the Messiah should look like. We think we know what victory looks like. And it's not the cross. But that's what Paul says. You know, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, oh, no, this is is God, if you will, at his best. (laughs) It's the cross. And that's so strange for us to to grasp that the seeming defeat of Jesus at the hands of the Romans and the Jews is the greatest accomplishment in all of history, time and space.
1: Yeah, and that's where I would just point us back to one of my fears is how in our culture, we are often being told and encouraged, and I'm just talking about the church here, that uh, it— Power is seductive. Yeah. And throughout history, the church has tried to clamor for power. Definitely. And thought that if we could control, um, you know, today, we, if we could control the media or Hollywood right. or education um, or the White House, then we can win. And, and it goes from being a Christian influence, great. To dominance, yeah, bad, yeah, because that's not the victory we see in Jesus, right? We the victory in Jesus is death on a cross, and that's the victory that we ought to be seeking as well.
0: It's this beautiful paradox, right? Like Jesus constantly confronts our presuppositions. Um, I like what you say, um, and I've heard you say this before. It's the difference between Christianity and Christendom. Mm-hmm. Could you just like? briefly explain that, just briefly, because yeah. that's a whole other episode that we need to do. Sure, But the difference between Christianity and Christendom.
1: Christianity is the gospel that Jesus is the good news for all mankind, drawing us into his kingdom. Christendom is the uh, institution's establishment of how we accomplish Christianity. And so Christendom could be a, a church or organization um, and sometimes we've put Christendom above Christianity. So we've protected the organization even when we lacked integrity to do so. And so it's like the organization becomes more important than the actual gospel of Jesus. We've seen, you know, with the tragic case of Rabbi Zacharias yeah. was you had he and unfortunately probably some others in that organization that decided our ministry is more important than the integrity of the gospel right that's putting christendom above christianity
0: and i would actually go a step further and and even say that we we encounter this with christian nationalism Mm -hmm. where people are using religious language to describe um, nationalistic fervor that they're using the language that is used to um, engage in worship to god and they're now equating that to being, if you will, a hyper patriot. Yeah. That that the min, the minute the minute that that the church gets power governmentally, I think we have problems. Yeah. Um. There are many people who think that one of the worst things that ever happened to Christianity was when Constantine made it legal. Yep. Yep. I, I would be one of them. Yeah. The minute that it became cool to be a Christian. The gospel immediately became tainted. Not the gospel, if you will, in scripture yep. as it is, but the perception and the presentation. Um, I think because of Constantine, we have mega churches,
1: hmm.
0: which may or may not be good things. Because yeah. of Constantine, we have Christian bookstores, which may or may not be good things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because persecution always um, establishes and provides a thriving church. Yeah. And absolutely. if we're not being persecuted, how often do we persecute ourselves? really getting into.
1: Absolutely. Is this a
0: rabbit hole? I think this is a rabbit hole.
1: But it's a good one. It is a good rabbit hole. But let it, let's it. let allow it to bring us to saying number seven. Saying number a seven. A word of reunion.
0: This is found in the gospel according to Luke chapter 23 verse 46. Then Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father into your hands, I commend my spirit. Now both the last word of of triumph and this word of reunion, they both claim to be the final word of Jesus right before he dies. And some people might say, oh, that's a contradiction. And our response to that is no, we have four gospels that are giving us four different perspectives from different eyewitness accounts and testimonies. And if there is some conflict, it's not because of lying, it has to do with author intent. Mm -hmm. We see that Matthew focuses on Jesus as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. Old Testament fulfilled. Mark really focuses on the action of Jesus. We yeah. really see... Um, Mark is actually chronologically out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my favorite. Mark is my favorite gospel. Yeah. Um, but it, it's based on Peter's eyewitness. And then we get to Luke, which is meticulously researched. Dr. Luke. Oh, yeah. the, he's like Indiana Jones meets Sherlock Holmes, culminating in House MD. Like, I love it. Yeah.
1: It's great. He's and a journalist he, journalist. Yes,
0: yeah. he is. Yes, he is. And then you get to John, and John... Is weird 90% of John is unique to Mm -hmm. John Matthew Mark and Luke match up like 80 something percent of the time but then John is absolutely unique in and of itself but we get four perspectives of one person's life these biographies and of course there are gonna be some differences and tweaks here and there because of the purpose and the goal of the text Mm -hmm. but we believe that all scripture is God breathed and inspired yeah. So we so we need to look at what is being said. What does this reveal about God, and how does it, um, what does it teach us about Him and about ourselves, and how we are to live in community? So, when Luke says the final words of Christ were, "Father, into my hand, to your hands I commend my spirit," what's happening?
1: Yeah. W- what does it mean? I commend my spirit. Does that mean like this is my last breath? That's what the text says. Having said this, he breathed his last. So, what happens in that moment?
0: So. Here's what's really fun God is spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, we, this is when we're going to get into some metaphysical, really yes. cool, creational things. The
1: spirit hovering over the waters all the way back to Genesis 1.
0: All the way back to Genesis chapter 1. So, we see that God is triune Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Son becomes incarnate, not mm-hmm. the Father and not the Spirit. So, while there is unity, there's also distinction. so it's not the father that's suffering and it's not the spirit that's suffering it's the son that's suffering yes so how can jesus the son be separate and distinct from the father and the spirit to be perfectly honest not sure I, i think this is one of those aspects that we get to chalk up to mystery which is not we have no idea how this works it's we don't know yet yeah so this idea of him saying i'm offering up my spirit this is the being in the person of Christ. This, this, this is the end. He's already said it is accomplished. And to whom does he direct death? Mm-hmm. To the Father. He, he directs it to God. In this moment, Jesus dies. And by this, we mean that he physically dies
1: mm-hmm. because
0: we believe in an eternity after death. I think N.T. Wright says it's life after death after life.
1: Yes. I, I, I like that. I f- do too. I
0: really like that because Can it's you explain not what he means Should, by that? So So yeah. after death— we are either present with the Lord or waiting judgment, either way. Mm-hmm. And then we have to consider, well, then what happens after that life? Yep. So it's life after death after life. Yeah. So it kind of makes me think about the thief on the cross when Jesus says, you're going to be with me in paradise. He's getting that foretaste of the life after death after life. So yep. for us as believers, we believe to live is Christ and to die is gain, as Paul says, to be absent in the body, to so be present with the Lord. Because when we talk about death, we need to be careful that we don't embrace a naturalistic or atheistic Idea of we die and then there's nothing. Mm -hmm. No, no, we die physically, but we continue on. If you want to say spirit, soul, I'm not going to get into all that terminology, but we do see that in this moment Christ is reunited in that mysterious way that we can't fully understand with Father, Son, and Spirit, who he was never separated from, again, but he's still present in, in in this moment. So the yeah. death that's happening is physical, yeah. not spiritual.
1: Right. And for those interested in reading a detailed volume that we just referenced, N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, It uh, talks about the, the resurrection and what do things look like if you kind of pu- pull all of scripture together. Yeah. And it, it's really good. By the way, I was reading that book when we uh, became pregnant with Hope, our daughter, and we were also surprised by Hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I was have a little flashback there. There you go. You okay? Do you need a moment? It was Are the right? first time I read that book. We were. I was surprised by Hope in two ways. There so, you go. Yeah.
0: Again, through these seven sayings, we really kind of see the character of God, but we also get to see this prescription of how Christians should also handle suffering and handle pain and discomfort so in this moment of reunion we have to recognize that death was not originally a part of the plan if you will when we look back at eden when god says you know eating of this of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you're going to die why because the knowledge of good and evil is something bad wicked and evil no it's that adam and eve did it on their own they did not listen to god they did not do what he said they they rebelled against him by doing what he said don't do yet In this Mm -hmm. regard so the death that we experience physical spiritual separated from God that's not bridged by Christ and if we're not careful we will say things like oh well now I'm never going to die no we we are we are but our death isn't hopeless the death of Christ isn't a defeat it's not this hopelessness of oh no it didn't work and even for us as Christians, we look at death simply as another passage. It's it's another step mm-hmm. to the final hope and peace and joy and comfort that we have by being near our Lord.
1: Yeah, I've been in a few hospital rooms where I I saw someone breathe their last. Their their lungs were going up and down, and it got more slow. Mm-hmm. And then one time they went down and they didn't come back up. Yeah. And there's that moment where you've seen I've seen somebody breathe their last, and it is a, a really kind of crazy moment to be like, this was it. Their spirit has left. Yeah. And uh, is not in this earthly vessel anymore. And so oftentimes at a graveside service we will say, into your hands we commit their, their spirit. spirit. And, and so I think in Christian maturity, we say, Father, into your hands, I commend my suffering, my pain, yeah. uh, my difficulty, my life. And at, one, at some point when I die, my, my spirit is yours. And we see Jesus being true to his mission here of uh, I, I, I submit myself to the Father's will and, and God uh, incarnate in Jesus Um, is submitting to the Father in this moment, in this ultimate moment.
0: And these have been the seven final sayings of Christ on the cross. The word of forgiveness, the word of salvation, the word of care, the word of worship, the word of distress, the word of triumph, and the word of reunion. But it doesn't end with his death. All of this leads up to the seminal moment in our Christian faith, which Paul says Christianity rises and falls on one moment and that is the resurrection
1: where oh death is your sting is what paul asked and the answer is like death doesn't get the final word it doesn't jesus does
0: and if we're not careful i think i've said that like five times if we're not careful (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my fatherly advice if you're not careful (laughs) if we're not careful in suffering and in pain we will think that that has the final word and we need to lift our eyes from present momentary affliction and We need to look at the cross, and then we need to look at what happens beyond the cross and the consequences from it, which are beautiful and good, glorifying to God and for our benefit.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the if we try to run away from pain and comfort and death our whole life, we actually rob ourselves um, of seeing the beauty of Jesus in suffering. Yeah, and I'm saying that I'm not saying that we should not be careful, as you've right. advised us to be. Um, Uh, It doesn't mean we live reckless, but we don't worship comfort. Uh, We allow suffering and we are with others who are suffering, uh, even in death. And that's always a reminder that that doesn't get the final word. And so uh, it is our prayer that during this season, you would be reminded again that uh, suffering is real. God is with you in the suffering. Uh, You can be honest in your suffering, but we still worship the Father and death doesn't get the final word
0: amen. That's good stuff. That's good. If you you don't have a Sunday sermon yet for Easter, just re-listen to these three episodes.
1: (laughs) Hey, and we do hope that you'll share them with others, let them know, and hopefully that can be an encouragement to them as well. He's Taylor. You're Brian. And this has been the Echo Podcast.
0: We are looking for truth in the noise.